Hey there, my name's Stephanie, and welcome to Lunch Break. If you didn't already know, then this podcast will teach you that women are a force to be reckoned with. We are strong. We are multifaceted. We are courageous. Hear us roar. Join me as I have the conversations not being brought to the spotlight. Each week, I, along with other women that are redefining what it means to be female, will decipher how to be a well-rounded woman in today's professional world using the book, Lunch Notes for the Professional Woman, to guide us. Hi everyone, welcome back to Lunch Break and another installment of The Roundtable. We have a few guests on today's episode. Let's welcome my fellow intern this summer, Riley, as well as Jesse Cates. So Riley, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Riley. I just graduated. I'm going to be going to the University of Maryland in the fall and I'm really excited to be here. Jesse Cates. Hey everybody, thanks for listening in. I'm happy to be here with you too. Great to chat with you for a bit. And I am the proud and passionate owner of a yoga studio here in Maryland called Shift Yoga. So it wouldn't be a lunch break episode if I didn't ask my guests about current events. So has anyone heard of Adeline Morin? No. So I'm not too surprised. Um, She's a Canadian social media influencer who recently turned 21 and she's known for her YouTube videos, especially those on her vlog channel. So why am I talking about her? She has this clothing line with Fanjoy, and she has this merch from pencil cases to hoodies that says girls supporting girls on them. And it's received recent buzz from a whole bunch of different celebrities, including Maddie Ziegler, who is a dancer we know from Dance Moms, who wore it on her Instagram. So what does girls supporting girls mean to both of you? That's a really great one, and I appreciate that you're shedding a light on this, because as a girl who went through a journey in my youth of not being supported by other girls, it's super important for me now, especially as a mom of a young girl, to really drive home this importance that there is this barrier we put up between one another as fellow chicks, and we put it up in a way to push down each other when really what we should be doing is holding each other's hand and walking this path together, be it from difficulty at school to boyfriend troubles to the big life things that we go through, we need to start leaning into each other, turning towards one another um, in a way that's more supportive and less um, catty, really. Yeah, um, definitely the cattiness, I think, is something that speaks to me when we hear the, the phrase, girls supporting girls, is I definitely think at least in my experience, it refers more to shifting towards support rather than competition. Because I think as as girls, we tend to feel as though there's like a limited number of spots available and we're competing with the girls around us when really it doesn't have to be that way. I completely agree with the both of you. And we're actually going to touch on everything that you just said as we get into the conversation further. So my next question for you is that being that she has a young audience, we're talking about tween age, teenage, and even young adult, why do you think that it was so important for her to include only this message on all of her merch? Shouldn't this message be a given? You know, I, I wish that were true, but I think it is one of the like hidden things in terms of female empowerment, raising our young children, teaching them in school, like never ever does the conversation come up in a school setting, does it come up in a extracurricular, maybe you'll see it in sports, but they don't really bring it up and say, we need to support 
one another, you know, girls to help uplift each other. So I think we wish, deep down, I think we, we wish it was a part of the everyday conversation, but it just unfortunately isn't. Yeah, I, I totally agree that maybe in a sports setting is, is a time you might hear, but it's all, only ever in the context of your teammates being the people you're supporting. You're maybe supporting them because you are a team, but really the idea needs to be broader than that and that we're supporting people who maybe aren't on our quote-unquote team. They're people who we maybe know very little about and they still need our support. And so while I do wish it were a given, I think that in the context that we uh, hope that this phrase becomes kind of more synonymous with supporting every girl you may come in contact with, I don't think that that's where we're at right now. Right. And so how would you suggest that we make this more of a given besides the team aspect of everything? What other route or route can we take? I think there's huge potential in the drive of marketing and consumerism. You look at the way we package clothing to young girls, the way we package um, cosmetics and all of these things that we're trying to get girls to be a part of, it's packaged in a way that's like, get this so you're better than this other girl in the neighborhood. Get this toy so you're cooler. Get this makeup so you attract the boys better than the other girl. And so I think there's a huge potential. That's where kids are getting information nowadays. I mean, my girl's nine and she gets it all from YouTube and gets it all from social media and these things that she sees. And nowhere in there is there, are there messages, are there marketing strategies from big businesses that are, that are putting that message out there. So that's the easiest and the obvious place that it's like, why won't these companies rise up and start to put out this big like message for the youth that it's to support each other. I mean, I think that the internet is like, while it's also the issue, like you were saying, your, your daughter is getting the, these messages from YouTube, from the internet, from ads. I think it can also be the solution, hopefully. Um, obviously, uh, the creator who you're talking about, she started on the internet, that's where she kind of got her fame. And to some extent, I think that when phrases become trendy, on the internet, if they're trending on Twitter, if they're all over our Instagrams, it's not just a matter of, oh, I want it because it's trendy, which certainly helps, I think, get the message out if the clothing is attractive or if the merchandise is uh, desirable, but it also makes their, uh, this a normality to it that, it, that it's normal that I see this on my Instagram, it's normal that I wear it on a shirt, and it's normal for us to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so going into some harder circumstances where trying to build this team or support each other as women may be more difficult, let's consider politics. And so one major example right now is the presidential election. And elections and competing in general, I personally personally feel like can bring out the worst in people. So my fear is that women that are running will begin to drag each other down as opposed to build one another up. I mean, after all, there's never been a U.S. woman president and the Democratic Party right now has six female candidates alone, but only one candidate out of all of them will be endorsed by the DNC and only one will make it on the ballot. So what tactics 
or lengths do you think they are willing to go to win? Um, one story in particular that I'm taking from Katie, she says that a lot of it has to do with how judgmental society is toward women in general, which in turn makes us judgmental of each other. So my next question is, how can you still support or empower other females when competing against one another? Well, I think that, you know, you think of the like a democratic or you think of presidential races. If there were a female that was running and she came out and her campaign strategy and videos that she put out there were of a message of the greatness that's in all of the candidates, that alone would be a strategy that would rocket her into even more success and even more, um, you know, the public leaning in and seeing the authenticity and the beauty of that person. If someone came out and said, and didn't do a slander campaign and didn't do, took the high road, could you imagine what the current of our entire universe would be like if politicians took the high road in their approach? I mean, I do think that there's an idea, and I, I spoke about it a second ago, but it, they really are competing for seats. Right. And so uh, to some extent, I do think that the um, amount of dragging each other through the mud, so to speak, comes from being in a political race to begin with. I don't know that it necessarily stems from uh, being multiple women in that race, but I do think that it poses a specific issue in that how can I champion women running for president or women running for political office when I would like to be said woman in political yeah. office? And so I do think that there's a way to do it gracefully mm -hmm. while still promoting yourself as the best pick because that's what you do as a politician. I mean, that's what you do in general when you're competing for seats, but there's a way to do it respectfully like Jesse was talking about. And so my next question kind of goes into what Jesse was speaking about before. So do you think, is it possible to, as Katie quoted from a meme, be the woman who fixes another woman's crown without telling the world it was crooked in the first place? Mm, I think that's so juicy. And I think that probably so much of what we see as societal issues from bullying to the whole climate of politics. Like if we took out that piece of telling someone else that it was crooked, if we take out the putting someone else down as a part of the stepping stone to get further, I think there would be still the climate of competition. Who is the better candidate, but from a place of compassion? Who's the better candidate, you know, from that heart-centered place, I think, if we if we could get there, like, sky's the limit for how we could repair this world. Right. I mean, I think that the quote speaks to more than just, I mean, politics, obviously. I mean, there's this idea that if I do fix someone else's crown, that I need some kind of credit for that. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to tell the world that it was crooked in the first place so that they know that I am the one who fixed it. Mm -hmm. When, I mean, we all know when we talk about it like that, that you're not fixing her crown from a place of compassion if you need you know, to have credit for that. But in the same vein, I do think that um, being recognized for the things that we do that are kind for others is a place we need to get to. Because I think people are hesitant necessarily to spend their effort being kind to others or being compassionate to others because they're actively being brought down for those actions. So while I don't think that the person should necessarily tell the world that her crown was crooked, I do think that we need to have an environment in which 
she's not necessarily praised, but at least um, at least not torn down for spending her time helping somebody else from a place of compassion. Definitely. And I think it's also just very difficult to not kind of, in a sense, and the story that I was referring to was Let Me Fix Your Crown in the book. Um, I think that it's hard not to, as Katie says, revel in other people's downfalls, especially in um, a competing place, a political place, because it kind of becomes your job to rip apart any propaganda or any legislation. And then there's also, you're thinking about how, well, how, how do I look to the men? Like you have to, in a sense, be this other persona in order to show them that I'm strong enough to handle all that the male is going to throw at me. And then you, in a sense, kind of become this person who is against other women and you're trying to support them and i just think that it can kind of get a little muddled and so next i want to talk about building that sense of community so the power of we is a big theme in the book lunch notes for the professional woman and so it basically means that you can't do this alone and you're not alone there is a team with you so as christine lee writes the latter in my story holding me up to the glass ceiling is not made of wood or metal. It's the support of my parents, husband, son, leaders, male and female friends and coworkers. So in what ways can someone begin to build a community even at a young age? As young girls, I think that the hardest part was asking for help because you thought that it would subordinate you. So how can you begin to build that community? That's a beautiful sentiment that I think, you know, we have such a huge potential in our school systems and in our parenting approaches to start to give young girls and young kids tools to lift each other up and to start to unify that community. You think of things simply like, you know, back in the day we used to do lemonade stands and we used to do block parties in our neighborhood. And those were ways that we just really simply had a sense of community with we're all here living on the same street you know, raising our kids and going through this life and to be able to set that example really for kids and to bring things like that back in a way that we can really easy start to light the path for them and lead by example is honestly, I think a great, a great approach to start to getting kids to see that that's a great way you build a ladder of success in your life by having a support system and by being a part of a collective of like-minded people that is there to champion each other and also there to help pick up each other when things don't go bad rather than just walking over the carcasses of everyone before them that maybe isn't having such great of a day. So I think leading by example is kind of what my heart says in response to that question of showing these kids on our end and it can trickle downstream to be able to lift those future generations up. Yeah, I definitely think that, um, I mean, we kind of are moving away so much from block parties and moving maybe more towards like club activities. A lot of people are pushing their younger, like the younger and younger kids into clubs to try to like kind of manufacture that sense of community. Um, I know moving from one county to another in between uh, elementary and middle school, I definitely felt like a pressure to like kind of manufacture a sense of community. Like I didn't want to get left without a group. I was fortunately able to find people, but I, I definitely feel for the person who feels as though they it didn't happen organically for them. And so I definitely think that there needs to be 
a community effort to kind of erase the sentiment of once you hit adulthood, the friends you have are your friends and that's your community and you just can't get anyone else from that. Like that I think is a, a damaging sentiment, especially for maybe teenage girls and teenage boys as well. If they feel as though they're kind of done making friends or they're done building their community, then they're not really going to feel comfortable stepping out of their comfort zone, which is what you need to do as soon as you graduate. So I love that the both of you, in a sense, represent two different age groups. And I like that you touched on the fact that as an adult, your community doesn't stop growing. So my last question to you is how did you find it within yourself to be okay with reaching out to others at your different stages? For me personally, um, I didn't have a choice. It was like a sink or swim. It was there isn't anything and there has to be a way to crawl out of you know, the bottom and find that support. So I kind of, you know, asked to the fire, had no choice but to start to seek it, to start to say, where are there ways that I can be supported? How can I offer support so I get it in return? Because it was something that my soul needed out of a, you know, a period of having kind of been left by the wayside with all the females and, you know, all the friends that you make in in middle school and and high school. There's a change that happens when you leave and so for me, it was no. There was no choice. There was, a, I think, a longing in our soul to to have a flock of people that lift us up. And so, I went in search of it for you know, fulfillment in a way. Because we, I think, deep down, we know that that's the best way to pilot this journey is supported. You can't be an island. You have to be have a, a tribe. It takes a village, as they say. So you need that that sisterhood, that tribe to hold you up. Yeah, I I think I still struggle with asking for support. I think that I put myself in a position of trying to be supportive of other people to try to lift them up the best I can. I mean, I'm always called like, oh, I'm the mom friend. I'm a big sister. I have, you know, much younger siblings. And so there's a bunch of ways you could rationalize it, but it's certainly a, a problem when it comes to when I need support that if people are counting on me to support them, how can I ask for that support in return? And and while I know, you know, logically, like I could ask for support in return and it wouldn't, you know, tear anything down, it's certainly difficult to, to break out of that mindset that you are, you're the protector, or you're the person who helps other people. So, you know, what do you do when you need support? So I do think that there's maybe a, a cultural aspect to it, but also just remembering that, I mean, it's okay to ask for help. It doesn't make you less of a supportive person if you also need support sometimes. And so just to go off of that, one of my favorite sayings is that confidence is not arrogance. And going off of that, asking for help is not a weakness either. So I really hope that our listeners took something very valuable from this episode. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much, Riley and Jesse Cates for joining me today. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope that you took something valuable away from it. The contact information as well as the chapters that Jesse Cates wrote in Lunch Notes for the Professional Woman will be in the description below. Be sure to like our page on Facebook and follow our Instagram. Talk to you next time on Lunch Break. The book entries featured in this episode were The Power of We and Let Me Fix Your Crown. Be sure to check them out in Lunch Notes for the Professional Woman, which is available to purchase online through Amazon, Walmart, and Barnes & Noble.